This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 575 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Another DC event wanders to a close. Ted is kicked out. Christopher Reeve flies again. A great anthology wraps up while another continues. What's so bad about a mass killing? Jesus helps out the Sunstars. And three views of Black Hammer. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, September 12, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review somewhere. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Four weeks to cover, so let's get started with... Infinite Frontier number 5 and 6 of 6 by Williamson, Marino, Pelletier, Fajardo Jr., Derenek, Fernandez, Ratmond, and Hi-Fi. DC wraps up their latest event title, which of course introduces the next one. Psycho Pirate kicks things off with a speech. Essentially, he's tired of Earth-Zero invading and destroying other Earths, a motif in this title. So when Darkseid came to him with instructions that would stop Earth-Zero, along with an agreement to come running when called, he was all for it. This is how heroes and villains from other Earths came together under Darkseid's orders as Injustice Incarnate. Cut to Earth-Omega, where Agent Chase just trapped Bone and the others. Bones is now wearing his original outfit. The character was co-created by Roy Thomas and Todd McFarlane back in the 80s Infinity Incorporated title with an outfit that references both McFarlane's eventual Spawn character and elements of a Golden Age character named the Black Terror. Jade smashes Bones. The heroes see Flash on his cosmic hamster wheel. It's revealed that Extract is actually another version of Chase, and there's a big fight. The good guys are bound up in energy chains. President Superman's weakness isn't kryptonite, but metanite. And Machine Head explains how Flash's attempt to save his mom, which created Flashpoint, also created cracks throughout the multiverse. Psycho Pirate tries to control Black Lantern Roy Harper, but ends up giving him info that his daughter Leon is still alive, so he breaks out the heroes instead. Darkseid then takes over Harper, now referred to as Omega Lantern, and that's all in just one issue. In the final issue, Darkseid explains that he has abandoned his search for the anti-life equation in favor of the power beyond the multiverse. And Roy Harper is the key. Obsidian breaks out Roy. The multiverse's finest take out Machine Head. And President Superman rescues Barry with a big crack-a-cock-a-thoom. Harper is freed from the Black Lantern. Darkseid is convinced they're all doomed. Psycho Pirate is needed in another event. And everyone is sent back to their homeworlds. Barry is gone, and Justice League Incarnate needs to find Flash, who's disappeared, and the crack in the Omniverse, 
cue the next event. Darkseid plans to control the Great Darkness. Flash finds himself in Multiverse 2. Pariah, from Crisis on Infinite Earths, tells him to stop living in the past and sends him to Earth Flash 1, where he gets a happy ending with the Flash family. To be continued next year. As someone who's read DC Comics for over 35 years, this was filled with so many inside references that even I had to go do some Googling to understand it. There is a desperate need for DC to completely clear the table and start from scratch. But they will never, ever do that. No, they because won't. people like you would then complain because things changed. <laughs> so I don't know. Blue and Gold, number two of eight by Jurgens and Suk. We kick off with a rescue. Booster got clocked while trying to stop a driverless truck heist with high-end cord industry stuff inside and is now hurtling with the truck to a cliff. Beetle arrives just in time with a new buggy he slapped together. The bug was blown up last issue. Of course, all Booster wants to know is if Skeets is live-streaming the event. There's also an argument on whether Blue and Gold is better than Batman and Robin. Hasn't Batman gone through about 50 Robins? We aren't supposed to talk about that. Booster wants to market the new buggy as part of an action figure playset. I know this guy named Todd McFarlane. Meanwhile, a mysterious alien, presumably the one on Earth to get vengeance on Blue and Gold, rents a house. Blue and Gold attack the group that stole the stuff while the internet provides commentary. Fake, fake. Boosty wouldn't lie. Okay, I'm down to hook up with BB. Beetle saves Booster again, but is angry to be referred to as a sidekick. Ted is brought before the court industry's board. His unhackable driverless tech was hacked. Their tech was stolen. They vote him out of the business. This is happening while Booster is holding a press conference, announcing a hero service for the little people, one that won't accept payment. Oops. Superman 78, number one of six by Venditti, Torres, and Belair. Hot on the heels of the new Batman 89 title in the Tim Burton-verse, Here's a story hearkening back to the Christopher Reeve franchise. Now, this takes place either between Superman 1 and 2 or possibly after 2. In any case, Lois doesn't know the secret. We quickly learn that Brainiac is the main villain here. Fans have been clamoring for Warner Brothers to use him in the cinematic universe. Clark is called on the carpet by Perry, who's told he needs to find more serious stories like Lois does. Of course, that always involves risking her life, but... A story drops in their laps as Brainiac attacks. Soups tries to talk him down. He has no idea who Brainiac is, but is then forced to knock his block off. Turns out it's just a drone. The real Brainy sees that there is a rogue Kryptonian on Earth and must be collected. The artwork is great. You can clearly see the actors' faces from the movies. The rest of the issue is filled up with a promo for the next Batman event, Fear State. Blech. I'm really glad you've given up on the Batman events. Superman, Red and Blue, number six of six by Campbell Wagner, Wagner King, Riviera, Badger, Pugh, Ogle, and Norton. This is, unfortunately, the last issue of this anthology. It was really made to be a trade. Streaky brings in Supergirl's cat from the Silver Age. There's a move from the old fortress to a new one, and cats are not great with new homes. Cal tries a pet carrier, which Streaky obliterates with heat vision, then goes on a worldwide rampage. In the end, Streaky wanders into the new place and is okay with it. 
Scoop is set in the Golden Age and is all about how Lois scoops Clark on the big Superman stories. He writes background pieces about why Superman had to get involved. Perry is tired of these. Superman sells papers. In the end, Clark sits down to write his own story, which he can never publish. The special is about a diner in Smallville visited over the years by the Kents. We follow a waitress as she ages in the job. It's very touching. Sons of Farmers is about young Clark learning the value of life in the fields, which becomes a motif of his life. Ally shows how Superman's decision to go public with his identity emboldens a gay teen to do the same. These are stories that anyone can pick up, read, and enjoy. No continuity issues, no research needed. There's clearly a lot of creatives who want to write these stories. Why not make this ongoing? And speaking of... Wonder Woman Black and Gold number 3 of 6 by Harvey, Levins, Venditti, Epting, Sevenbergen, Miranda, Okakafor, Cole, Garcia, and Fiumara. The other out-of-continuity anthology out there. We Built a New World is about Diana and Steve, his crash on the island, their love story, and his life. Of course, she outlives him, but she chooses love over fear. Espionage is set during the Emma Peel period, where Diana had no powers and became a secret agent. She's tortured for weeks, and when asked who she is, she says, Wonder Woman. Of course, the bad guys don't believe her. She's just waiting for the right torturer to arrive so she can escape and beat the crap out of him. She calls Ching, her contact at the time, to pick him up. Beat the Heat pits Diana against Apollo, who pulls Earth out of its orbit just to prove a point. Earth is heating up, but it's not his doing. Mankind and climate change is doing that. Do no harm had Diana saving Vixen, only to learn Vixen wanted her to come. Aliens just want to talk, and Diana's skills in diplomacy are needed. The Stolen Lasso of Truth has a young girl finding the lasso lost during a fight. She uses it on bullies and issues with her friends and family, later putting a costume together. Diana arrives to retrieve it and gives the girl back her glasses, telling her that her strength is within. Again, some really good stories. Not All Robots, number two, from AWA Upshot by Russell Diodato Jr. and Lofridge. We see the aftermath of the mass death in Bubble Orlando. Robots feel the humans are overreacting. Murder is a strong term. Most humans were going to be dead in a few decades anyway. The robot responsible goes to trial. Welcome to the Florida justice system, brought to you by Mandroids, and is immediately found innocent. Humans start to organize resistance. Meanwhile, our family goes to counseling, of course, AI-based. The son doesn't see the point of school since robots have all the jobs. It's like the factory closed down, but they forgot to shut off the conveyor belt. The daughter thinks mankind has surrendered, at least her dad has. The wife thinks her husband has become conditioned for servility to the robots. When the husband learns the wife went off to get a new robot, which didn't work, he storms off. Meanwhile, their robot continues his job as Mandroid goes into overtime making more human-looking robots. The robot feels that life is just a game of musical coffins. The ruling council's solution to the unrest? Give the robots cute names. Robots organize and start collecting weapons. The hairdressers' union, apparently the only job robots can't do, are the leaders of a human's first movement. When the family's robot retreats to the garage and the husband asks why he has so many guns, the reply... Snowball is in a play. This is not going to end well. 
Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, number four from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Troy. The senior set, including Sunstar's mother, is off to the casino. The home uses this as an opportunity to bring in Sunstar and his wife to announce that she is just too much trouble and needs to go elsewhere. Jesus tagged along and told the story of Mary Magdalene and the Pharisees. He talked the latter into forgiving her, saying it was just good business. If we forgive those who have sinned the most, they will be the most grateful. This convinces the home to give the mother one more chance. Unfortunately, she picks this time to sneak away from the tour group. Cut to a young sun star bullying Cranius in school, which is why he became a supervillain. Cut to Jesus and his new disciples, one of which asked why there weren't female disciples back then. There were, but they had to do so secretly. They only appeared after his crucifixion when the men abandoned him. Suddenly, there's an earthquake. It's Cranius's doing. Sunstar saves his wife, who tells him to stop the bad guy and save many more lives. There's a fight on the moon, and Sunstar wins. There's a ton of damage in the city. One of the disciples, Phil, was crushed under a pillar, and Sunstar's mom is missing. Finally, we have three books from the Black Hammer continuity, all from Dark Horse. Black Hammer Reborn, number three, by Lamar, Yarsky, Stewart, and Picos. Black Hammer Visions, number seven, by Castellucci, Duffy, Crabtree, and Picos. And The Unbelievable Undines, number two, by Lemire and Crook. The main book continues the story of Lucy. Twenty years ago, Lucy and the detective wonder why Doc Andromeda is on the wrong side. Lucy then realizes she needs to catch Lightning Rod, which she does. He convinces her to give him a break and let him go. He planned to be a hero, but he needed money for rent. We learn that Lightning Rod's first name is Elliot. Lucy goes to visit Warden Wing, a former hero with wings, to find out why Andromeda did what he did. He doesn't know, but will keep an ear out for any rumblings. Lucy sees a mystic ring in the sky, and there's Andromeda. I hear you've been looking for me. Today, Lucy and Elliot are in counseling. She refuses to forgive him for sleeping around. He says that she isn't there for him. They can't talk about the whole superhero thing in front of the the, uh, analyst. And the session ends with Lucy storming out. They fight in the parking lot, and now there's another mystic ring in the sky. Lucy tells him to make sure the kids are safe and then goes to get her costume and hammer, but then decides to check on the family instead. Her son says, if anything really bad happened, mom would protect us. A voice from the couch says, no, Joseph, she will not. It's Colonel Weird. The Visions anthology goes back to a character and concept from an earlier book, Ms. Moonbeam and the World of Half-Baked Characters. She's turned from villain to hero there, bringing together other one-note characters as a team. They all wait to be called back to the main story. And wait. And wait. She saves a bear-like man and sleeps with him, then does the same with a female version. She sees a notice for open mic night where characters are trying out. She has a dazzling audition, but the creators just don't see it. A minor creator is interested but plans to kill her character in a minor battle. So she kidnaps some scientists who become her team as she decides to write her own story. Golden Gale is waiting to fight her and asks the writer what to do. She's a no-show. An amped-up Ms. Moonbeam finally arrives, proceeding to beat the crap out of Golden Gale. A death beast pops in, and they team up to stop it. Unfortunately, 
There's a reboot, and she has to start at step one all over again. The Unteen story starts with a Silver Age tale that would fit into the X-Men or Teen Titans, a lot of angst and soap opera. Cut to Straka, one of the team, now a construction worker with a family. Jane approaches him and tries to explain, but Jack is impatient and just drops their history into his brain. Cut back to the comic and the start of a relationship between Straka and Jane. Jack pulls prank and Snapdragon is blamed. Back to Straka today, who seems to accept the whole concept very quickly. Jack contacted Lucy and got a lead on Carlos, a.k.a. Kid Boom. He works at a long-term care facility. They find him, and amazingly, Carlos knows the whole story already. He also knows where Snapdragon is, in a bed at the facility, in a coma. I do really love this whole world, and I hope it continues. And I hope not too much of it goes into this weird substack thing that Lemire is talking about. Yes, because I am not doing substack. No. So. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.